0: turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is Noemi for Female Startup Club. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Female Startup Club. I'm your host, Duna Rasheen, and joining me on the show today is Noemi Mawaka. We're diving into her story of creating her first business that was started by chance, Stats Congo, and what it's been like to have the courage to step away from it all and start over. Now she's taking her learnings from the first time around into her second venture, Aluka, a global healthcare platform that allows you to instantly pay for medical treatments abroad, hassle-free. Noemi was named a Forbes 30 under 30 in the healthcare space. She's received a $100,000 grant to launch her first business and has plenty of learnings she's sharing with us in this episode. And while I've got you here, if you're looking for more nifty tips and tricks, you can tune into my Instagram or TikTok at Doona Rochine, where I post daily quick tips, how-to guides, and other useful bits and bobs relating to all things business and e-commerce. And lastly, if you haven't done so already, please do subscribe, rate, and review the Female Startup Club podcast so you can get notified of our new episodes every week and help other ears find us. This is Noemi for Female Startup Club.
1: You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry.
2: That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at
3: burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you.
0: Well, thanks for being here today, Noemi. I am so excited to learn about your story and your background and why you started Stats Congo and your new venture. I'm excited to hear about it all. So let's get started.
5: Absolutely.
0: Do you want to tell me a little bit about, you know, your background and what you were doing before you started the business and then what kind of led to that light bulb moment starting Stats Congo?
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. My name is Noemi Mowaka. Um, I'm actually born and raised in Kinshasa, Congo, which is central of Africa. Immigrated Canada age Egypt 8. Uh, I always start with that because it's really the reason why I get into what I do now. Born in a third world country, you know, you see so many social issues, especially faced by women. And health was always that one pivotal thing that I felt like if we tackle it more in, in a more innovative, efficient way, uh, these women would not die so quickly. So I went on fast forward. My parents immigrated Canada, and I'm so grateful. Uh, I did my bachelor's in arts and sciences, and then I right away did my master's in public health. Honestly, I hated my master's; like I just didn't like it. And I was always that girl in class that was sitting, there and I was like, "We could do this in such a in a, like a more efficient way. Like public health could do better. NGOs can do better. Like why don't we use impact?" We generate profits, so we're sustainable. So I was just so frustrated, and I was like, we need more technology in this space. So after graduating, I could not get a job for a year and a half, very sad times. Uh, so anyone listening, think going through that, I hear you. Um, but then I go on Twitter, and I see this post. We're looking for a young entrepreneur who wants to start an innovative project within the scope of maternal health, which is when the woman is pregnant. We're going to give a hundred grand and you just have to like come up with an innovative idea so i'm like oh let me tell you i have a lot of ideas <laughs> you're
0: like <laughs> I my just, hand is
5: up it is high <laughs> it's, been, it's been up for a while so <laughs> i'm excited to literally uh start applying so i reached out to one of uh this one doctor his name is dr Mukwege. he actually just won a nobel prize He's known as a doctor that saves women because he's a gynecologist east of Congo, which is a war zone. So I reached out to him. We've established contacts before. And I love his NGO. I've been supporting you for years. And I was like, I have this vision. I want to implement technology in your hospital so that you will know what are the reasons why these women keep dying during pregnancy. And in turn, I will then sort of see if I can scale this as a business, like where hospitals would pay me to implement technologies and then local government will pay me to sort of generate some of that population level data. And so he's like, All right, do it. If you have the funding, do it. This is your country. I will give you the platform. So I applied for the grants and I won the grants. A grand challenge is a hundred thousand. And then next thing you know, December twenty seventeen, I was back in my native country in east of Congo, in a war zone. Mind you, highest rape capital in the country implementing technologies in hospitals that focus a lot on women during the pregnancy cycle. That way we can monitor their health outcome. So that's sort of me in a nutshell. And then now I'm working on my new baby until I give birth to a human being. My businesses are my babies. I'm working on my new baby, which is a LUCA, where we aim to make medical payment transparent for immigrants living abroad, paying for their family members' health care in their home country, in African countries.
0: That's me. Wow. It sounds so cool and so amazing. And it's really like, it's crazy because you're tackling these huge global problems and making like significant difference to the world. It, it also is just a really like emotional task, what you're doing. Like, how are you handling that? Especially in the beginning, in the early days, it's just crazy. You would just, it's your first job essentially.
5: Honestly, like you nailed it. It's it's one of those things. Like my personality, I'm very much a risk taker, and sort of all or nothing kind of person. Um, I think it's definitely the passion. Like you have to have passion for what I do because in the beginning you're not really making much money. A hundred thousand sounds great, but not when you're in charge of five people and you're trying to test this idea. And so it is emotionally taxing, I, I will be honest. But at the same time, I think coming from a third world country and seeing so many social issues and being lucky to leave my native country to come to Canada, I just feel this responsibility. Um, and I have to, because if I don't, then, you know, like who else? I'm sure there's other people then that her, will. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's other yeah. people that will. Like I don't, I'm not like a god or anything. But at the same time, I do think that those of us that are fortunate enough to leave or I think visible minorities, even when you are in a position of privilege more than the mass, you bear the responsibility to help your own kind. So call me crazy, but I have to do it.
0: So admirable. I love it. I want to talk about the early days of you being like, okay, I've won the grant. I'm going back to Congo. What does it mean that you start like implementing technology there? What does that actually, you know, how do you spend that $100,000? What are those early days like?
5: Absolutely. And I think to even take you back to like the grants, because that sets you up really nicely. So when I saw the grant on Twitter, legit, I kid you not, like I click it and I look at the requirements. So they uh, give you this sheet where they pretty much make you set up metrics. They pretty much say, we're going to give you this grant for 18 months. You have to report to us every quarter. So every quarter of the year, three, four, every three months, you're going to have to report to us How are you progressing? So you're going to be reporting specific numbers. How are you using this money? So A, who are the staff that you're going to need? So in my case, I suck at accounting. So every entrepreneur who sucks at accounting, get an accountant part-time. I knew that uh, in Congo, because I'm partnering with this hospital, they have this policy where I have to hire their staff. So I had to have a coordinator on site who helped me coordinate the doctors, the research assistants, stuff like that. I needed a research assistant who was going to take... So pretty much what we were doing, we were taking paper-based medical records because these hospitals are not using technology yet, taking those medical records out of paper and transcribing them to technology-based. So ultimately, we use the open-source software, free online uh, open-source software that we were trying to sort of mimic and turn it into our own little software where we would store that data internally. And every month, my statistician will analyze that data and tell the hospital what are some of the top causes as to why women are dying from the moment they're pregnant so the kid is five years old. So the whole thing, you call that maternal health. And so when the grant starts, you already have particular metrics. So one of my metrics was like X amount of women had to be treated at the hospital. Out of X of them, what are the common diseases? Um, Your staff, what are you paying them? How are you paying them? So those are sort of like in terms of setting you up nicely. that's actually the beautiful thing about this grant. It really taught me the importance of having benchmarks um, and kind of like following up on them and the importance of accounting. I can't stress enough that accounting is so important because literally just like your QuickBooks app allows you to really see how you're spending your money when you're about to go into the reds. And so that was a huge learning curve for me because I'm from a public health background. I don't know this stuff. So I really had to learn that. Um, I had to learn a lot about managing multiple stakeholders because as much as I'm managing my own small team, I'm also held accountable to my funders, to the Ministry of Health, to the doctors. Like You're literally learning. I speak French and English, but I kid you not, I, I was able to speak like five languages because you're speaking to different audiences who have a different agenda, but you need them. So that was another big one, how to report to different stakeholders and collaborators while aligning your mission at the end of the day. So those are my early days.
0: And so with all of that in mind, how do you monetize the business and how does it make revenue so that you can
5: actually keep going? So that's honestly such a great question. And that's something that I would, and again, this is this is what being an entrepreneur is. It's all about failing, but fail super fast. Um, I would advise anyone that wants to start their enterprise, number one thing with your business, have a clear model of how you're going to make money. So I think for me, this was tricky because I started this project with a grant. And I was like, I'm just going to test this idea. But going in, truth be told, I didn't even think of a revenue. I just want, I was so focused on the impact I was like, I just want to implement technology so that these hospitals can serve these women better. But then six months in, I was like, OK, if this grant is over, we need to like make money to be sustainable. So the two revenue models that I saw was either we scale, so hospitals will pay like a monthly fee for us to come in, implement the technology and stuff like that. And then, or the, uh, the ministry of health who has a hard time accessing population level data with hospitals because of transportation infrastructure, we were able to reach hospitals that they don't know how to reach. And so they would pay us for that. Both models, like by the end of the grant, and then even towards the end of the grant, we were able to get a bit more funding by someone else, like a private donor. But literally by the end of it, I was like, the ministry is corrupted. The ministry <laughs> is a corrupted government in third world country. The hospitals, they just, they just not willing to. And so at that point, after like a almost two years, I had to pivot and realize there's just either I stay an NGO or I close my doors and make my peace and then go out towards something else. And I was not willing to be an NGO. I worked in NGOs for years and I loved it, but there's so many limitations to NGOs. I was like, I want to run a business that makes money, but has an impact. And I believe it's possible, which got me to my newer baby that I'm working on.
0: Takes a lot of courage to make that kind of call and to be like, Hey, I've committed two years of my life and I'm making an impact, but I foresee what I want my future to look like as well. And this isn't it.
5: It's tough. It's it's one of those. It's so tough because I remember talking to one of my friends who is now my business advisor, which is another thing I always say, surround yourself by people that are smarter than you and know your strengths and your weaknesses. I love impact. I love purpose mission, but I don't have a business degree. I'm very entrepreneurial, very entrepreneurial. And I love reading business books, but I don't have a business degree. So I really surround myself by people that have that finance business background. So two of them are actually my really good friends and they decided to come on board as my advisors. And it's, I'm so grateful. But I remember when I had to let go of Stats Congo, it was so hard. Uh, one of my friends, he straight up just said to me, he's like, Noemi, you can't be so in love with your idea. If it's not making you money, it's an expensive hobby. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Truth. I was like Truth. Truth hurts. I was like, that is so rude. Um, he's, like, he's like, you have no choice. He's like, pick a side. You either are an NGO where people donate, which will be great, but NGOs you have to spend a lot of time marketing in order to raise funds, and you have to report to the government because tax purposes, or you go towards for profit. And we come up with a newer idea, and honestly, it's, it was just God sent because the next day, with I had a call with someone, my, my one of my partners with Stats Congo, and this newer product that I'm working on, Aluka, was born literally within 24 hours. So it was a blessing in disguise.
0: Oh my gosh! Okay, so let's talk about Aluka. Tell me about the new venture. Tell me about where you're at. How that all happened? 24 yeah. hours—pretty quick, pretty quick turnaround. <laughs>
5: Super quick. Um, no, I, I'm so excited about it. Look at me. And I really think this is honestly a big piece of advice I'll give to anyone that wants to be an entrepreneur. Let's embrace failing. Let's honestly cultivate failure. It's only through failing that you learn what works, what doesn't work. And I think Sasson was great, got a lot of momentum, but it's actually quite funny because I was sitting in my living room, chilling with my best friend, a.k.a. my mom, my mom is my best friend. And she was, she just starts crying. I was like, mom, what's wrong? And she's looking at me. She's like, oh my gosh. She's like, I just got ripped off $500 from a family member who was supposed to take my brother in Congo to the hospital. And I know he's ripping me out, but my mom's like, I have no choice but to rely on him because my brother's mentally ill because my uncle has a mental illness. And so I look at my mom, my mom was like, Noemi, wouldn't it be great if you could just create a platform where I could just monitor my brother's health outcomes? That's all I want, Noemi, just to pay the doctor directly and know that my brother's okay. So then my my brain got turned on. And because then I remember my, the doctors in the hospitals that I was partnered with, with Stats Congo, they were telling me that about... 50% of the patients that come in, their money actually comes from family members that live abroad. We call that diaspora. When you left your home country for a new country. So then I go to the drawing board. I'm like, okay, I want to create a platform where those that live in the West, people like my mom, myself, because I'm an immigrant, send money to their family members back home every month for health costs. This time we're going to cut out the middleman. My mom will pay directly the hospital, the lab, the pharmacy. Her brother just has to show up to the hospital, get treated, and then the healthcare provider gives my mom the transparent sort of outcome of her brother's health. And in turn, we make a 10% uh, commission. No, is it 10% or 8%? No, we agree on 8% because Airbnb does 10%. We make an 8% commission on that transaction fee. So that was born as of last October the landing page is good to go and I'll send you the link. The app is about 90% done. As of next week, it should be good to go. And we're going to start testing it. And we now have a total of six healthcare providers that are partners, two labs, two hospitals, and two pharmacies. So that's pretty much a Luca app in itself.
0: Again, it just sounds like such a great idea. So needed in the
4: world
3: Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: I'm curious to learn about your like go to market strategy and how you launch something like this. Like, how do you find both sides of the equation? How do you get, you know, all the people to to send money and to know about it?
5: Yeah, this is actually the funny thing. This one, a look at the marketing is going to be super cheap, which is the best thing ever. So there's two people where we have two users. We have the healthcare provider. Whenever I say healthcare provider, I'm talking about anyone that provides healthcare services. So in our case, it's going to be doctor, so hospital, pharmacy, and lab. So we found two in each. That way we just, we start with a small sample what I actually did, I rely on my previous contact from Stats Congo. This is why I say your previous businesses always inform your next one. I rely on my contact from Stats Congo and they were all on board. I already had relationships with them. So it's just a matter of convincing them, being like, okay, so this is a, it's a newer platform. So I'm adding, it's a bit of a burden if you think about it. You guys already have your workload. I'm adding another platform to your, your sort of operation. But here's the thing. This is like more revenue, you're not losing anything. I'm not telling you to stop treating your your customers or your patients. I'm adding more to to your sort of revenue. So they were on board with that. And the way we built the application, it's so user-friendly. It's like creating a Gmail account. So we really made sure that we wanted to make it seamless. That way, the hospitals, the lab, and the pharmacy can easily use it. And I'm really aware, because I've worked in Congo and I'm born there, there's a lack of infrastructure. So you want to make sure that this app is not too complicated because these people sometimes don't have electricity. So we have then the second user, which is our payer. And really, this is our biggest focus because it's whoever pays is who you need to focus on. That's something that I had to learn the hard way. Um, so our biggest barrier is actually the Westerner. So think of someone like my mom, who left her home country, came here, and is financially responsible for her family back home. And what I actually did last October, when my mom sort of gave me this idea, my mom being an amazing woman, and so is my dad, we actually sat down and they helped me come up with a survey. We did a very quick survey, like six questions, asking a lot of whys. And then I told my parents, find five people, each of you on your WhatsApp contact list, who I'm going to send this link to, and you're going to send it to them, ask them to fill out their survey. It's really short. So my parents did it. And lo and behold, within less than 10 hours, we had over 55 responses in the survey. And on average, most people send $3,000 a month, USID, back to Congo. And these are just Congolese people. And it just so happened, one of the questions I was asking on the survey was like, you know, what are your main activity, jobs? So Congolese population, culturally speaking, a lot of them are Christians. So, then what I did instead of go to market strategy to reach this customer, I actually targeted churches, churches locally in Canada. And it just so happened, I targeted the top three churches in the dominant population where Congolese people immigrate, which is Montreal, because it's French speaking, and Toronto, because there's more jobs here. So, I reached out to these uh, three churches. Each of them has over a 1,000 members that are dominantly Congolese. And I did a quick appearance on Zoom. And next thing you know, we haven't even launched yet. And our email subscription list is over 500 people. So that's going to be my... So in the marketing of the pair, it's going to be a lot easier because the community is big on word of mouth. And uh, another big thing I would definitely say is, I also had to learn this, because we're targeting an older demographic like my mom, um, reaching them is actually quite easy. Now getting them to use the app is often where you get people like myself that are the daughter of that will help their parents navigate this application. So that's my go-to strategy.
0: Wow, I love it. I love that it's like fully built around that like word of mouth moment, which of course it is. It makes so much sense. And I love how you really found where your target customer was hanging out. You like you track them down in a really great way. And you were like, hey, I got this. Exactly. <laughs> and so when are you officially launching? What's the next steps?
5: Yeah, we're super excited. So we are, like I said, we're about 90% done. As of in one week, um, it should be pretty much done. I want to start testing it with, I have a sample of 10 people in Canada that are going to be pairs that are on board and I already have the hospitals and the lab, So I'm going to test it with those 10 people only to really, I'm giving myself like a one month to test it with those 10 people. So really with apps, you want to get users to test it quickly. That way they can find red flags and things for my team to fix. And then as of, I'm really hoping to do like an official launch in January. So from now till December, just master the application, get those 10 people. And honestly, my strong feeling is if those 10 people are impressed, by December, we're most likely going to have over like 40 users, most likely. But my my focus is with really those 10 people until we really master the application. And then as of January to like officially go big and like make a big announcement. But for now, it's just a matter of focusing on those small users to validate the idea.
0: And so once you've got that idea validated and then you've got the users and that kind of thing, is the roadmap to expand to different third world countries, you know, potentially raise money to like go bigger on marketing, reach more people? Or is it that kind of like homegrown, like grassroots bootstrapped approach to business? Have you like decided which way you're going to go yet?
5: Yeah, it's it's something I that lately I'm actually it's funny. Uh, this this evening I'm actually going out to dinner with my board of advisors to talk to them. Originally I was like, oh, this will this will interest a lot of VCs. I've already had four VC approach me pre-releasing. We're not even ready yet. And there's some that are already approaching me. But my experience with Stats Congo with the grants, um, I did not enjoy it as much. This idea of having to report your finances to people honestly i i think this is a thing with raising it's good marketing when you raise it's a cute story to tell and stuff like that but i think raising gets you in forbes oh it's i that's how you get it you know it's a beautiful story but i think raising is a huge responsibility and at this time i think with this one i want to see what bootstrapping looks like and what uh, it's gotten us so far this far, And I've really been able to just implement my imagination and pivot whenever I wanted. But I also do think that if I want to scale to other countries, because I definitely want to tackle Asia next, um, I may have to entertain raising because at that point it will be so big. So that it's something that I'll have to revisit later on. But for now I'm enjoying the bootstrap because I also value my lifestyle. So to me, that's what it is.
0: Yeah, it's about finding that happy balance for for what you want your life to look like, and what you l- want your life to look like in business for sure. What is your advice for other female entrepreneurs who have a really big idea?
5: Ooh, honey, there's so much. Um, I think, <laughs> I think the number one, I would definitely say is let's learn to see opportunities, not limitations. I think the reason why I see this is because it's based on my conversation with a lot of young women. Um, I think this for some mess of reason, society, I think men I find they don't see barriers as much, maybe because they've never had to and they just they have this sense of like entitlement and that women is just we get into this mindset of I think to be feminine means to just be like downplay your humility, feel like you're not worthy you're not good enough. And then when an opportunity presents itself, rather than going for it, you already see limitations before starting. And I think that requires a mind shift. And I'm not sure if that's like upbringing or some therapy, but whatever it takes for you to really unlearn that and just see opportunities. Listen, there's always going to be limitations. Like I just told you this, the stuff that I'm working on that. I mean, I was in a war zone in the highest rape capital in the country. The likelihood of me being physically abused was so high. How did I make it out of that is incredible. But at the same time, it's like, I did it. I learned. There's a huge impact. And now I get to do more work with the Lucas. So let's cultivate a mindset to really see opportunities, not focus just on the limitations. And I think number two, I would advise any woman that wants to go entrepreneurship. And I learned this the hard way, kind of going back to your first question, in terms of revenue, I think this is where market research comes in. And with the Luca, we did my business advisor. One of them, his name is Richie. I'm giving a major shout out. Um, he's <laughs> like, he's, he's a genius. He's just like a finance, a finance guy who loves business, loves entrepreneur, like not so entrepreneurial, but definitely business minded. And so he, really helped me with market research. So find yourself people... If you're not good at market research, which you can find on Google, how to do market research. But if you're not good at that, find yourself people who just love this stuff. Even in your network in university or online, find people who love doing this stuff that will research your... sort of Help you validate it in terms of numbers. Here's what I want to do. Here's the market size. Here's how to approach it. And are we going to make money? So that's more what I would advise anyone that has a grand idea, but that needs to sort of start small is to really validate it with numbers.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much. We are up to the six quick questions. Yeah. Question number one, we might have already
5: spoken about this briefly, but what's your why? Oh my gosh, my why is quite simple. If I can do it, so can you. Amazing.
0: Question number two is what's been the number one marketing moment that has made your business pop? And it could be your first one or or the second one.
5: I think, I feel like Forbes was a big one, to be honest. It really gave me exposure. I have to give them credit. They've been amazing.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a really great website. I get a lot of my, um, I find a lot of people that I want to interview through there. It's very exactly. good. Question number 3 is where do you hang out to get smarter?
5: Ooh. I would definitely stay the mountains in a third world country. That's when I get the most inspiration. Third world mountains. Very like specific.
0: <laughs> Very specific. Nice. <laughs> Question number 4. Is how do you win the day, and that's around your AM and your PM rituals that keep you feeling productive and happy and motivated and successful.
5: Absolutely, I have a pretty good routine to be quite honest. So I wake up at six thirty every day without an alarm clock. <laughs> no, I'm a oh my god! Person. I'm a morning person, so I wake up. I at wish that was me every day, um, and I start the day with reading a book anything. It can even be a novel or it can be like a cheesy, I don't know, some romantic novel or an inspirational book, whatever you want. I start with that. And then I go either for a walk or a hike or a workout. One of the three, not all three, only one. And then after that, I journal. So I'm very big on gratitude. So I take time to just journal, make myself a killer smoothie always. And then after that, I tend to go to like a coffee shop or my my parents' home office to answer my emails and then set my agenda for the day or for the week. I only tackle three things a day, not more. So I write it down. What are the top three things I need to achieve that day? And then after that, if I have conference calls and stuff like that, I'll take them. And then in the evening, I usually hang out with my friends, my family or by myself. So that's that's pretty much my life.
0: (laughs) Sounds good. Like the sound of the smoothie. (laughs) Question number 5 is if you only had $1000 left in your business bank account, where would you
5: spend it? Oh, that's a really good one. Mm. I would say marketing. Marketing. It's just there's a reason why marketing gets you customers, gets that's how you make your dollar. Definitely marketing. Squeeze it. Get some squeeze dollars back.
0: Dollar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, squeeze that 1000. <laughs> Aim for lots of word of mouth marketing. (laughs) Uh, And question number six, final question. How do you deal with failure? And that can be either, again, like in relation to a specific experience or just your general mindset and approach.
5: Yeah, I think with failure, I mean, with Stats Congo, I felt like I was failing every day from like the doctors sometimes not wanting to take up the technology, to then finding out that like local partners are bailing out. And then with Aluka, we're constantly running with like hurdles. Every day, I'm always pulling out fires. And there's always that voice that's like, "Noemi, just stop, be a stay home mom. (laughs) Just call it Chris for the day. But I think with failure, I honestly, I've had to change my mind around failure. And I think it's a quote by Steve Jobs. Like, tell me, like, I'll tell you thousands of ways that I've failed and the two ways that I've succeeded, I think was Pixel and uh, Apple. And I think I always think of that quote. I think failure, I've had to shift and see failure has lesson learned. If you don't fail, you cannot innovate. This is a space of technology. Literally, you constantly have to fail fast in order to keep up with what's trendy and current. And number two, I think failing, like I said, allows you to learn what, what you're good and what you're not good at. And I really think I get it. Success is more marketable. But honey, if you're not failing, I just just don't see how you you see current and relevant. You're going to get outdated anyway. And so let's learn to just embrace failure and see it as a way for you to learn what worked and what did not work and move on from that. It's hard. So allow yourself. And I see this now, but I also want to say it's important. Sometimes when you feel like you failed, allow yourself to take time to be sad, to be bummed out. Um, and just take that time alone to recharge and then get back up. So
0: yeah. Take care of the soul.
5: Yeah. It's important. So important.
0: Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I have loved chatting to you and learning about your businesses and your mission and what you're doing for the world. I think it's so fab.
5: Thank you so much.